the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer. He said, I am your exceedingly great what? Reward. Abraham, you left a land for me. I will give a new land to you. Abraham, you left family for me. I will bring new family. Everything Abraham left for God, God, you know, actually in the New Testament, Jesus expounds upon it. He said, whoever leaves, it, leaves houses and lands uh, for, for my name's sake, I will give a hundredfold in this age and the age to come. We cannot outdo God when it comes to giving. Do you understand what I'm saying here? He says, you are, or uh, I will be your great or your exceedingly great reward. And the point I wanted to make to you this morning is the things that we are willing to leave behind are directly correlated to the things that God has left ahead of us. So never weep over what you left behind. Because whoever and whatever you leave behind... God has a hundredfold in your future. He will exceed your sacrifice because he's, did you really understand? He will always exceed your sacrifice because he is God. He is our exceedingly great reward. But after Abram said this, I'm sorry, God said this to Abraham. Abraham's wheel started turning. He said, I heard you, God, and that was good preaching, and I'm excited about that, but... Uh, uh, let's get real here. He said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Father, everything you've given me is really nothing to me unless you give me the thing you promised. Actually, in this statement, you hear a complaint. But there's nothing wrong with complaining as long as you're bringing your complaint to God. He has wide shoulders. He knows how to handle it. He knows exactly how to answer your issue. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Abram had everything. He had a beautiful wife. He was wealthy. He was successful in business. 
His reputation began to precede him. He's just defeated kings. He's moved into a, a new uh, uh, class, uh, or if you will. You know, his, his name is mentioned next to actually kings in the land because he's overcoming them. So he had everything a man could want except the thing he really wanted. How many of y'all, you know, you have everything except the real thing? I mean, you can buy this, you can go there, and, but, but the thing you really want, really, really want, is the thing God has not yet brought into fruition in your life. This was the case with Abram. And he goes on, he says, And God, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Eliezer was a, a loyal servant, uh, also a friend of Abraham. And, and Abraham was willing to give Eliezer the inheritance. But, but, but that was still not what God had promised. It wasn't what God said. And Abram's taking issue with that. Then Abram gets even plainer. He said, Look, Lord, you have not given me any offspring. Indeed, the people born in my house, or, or, or uh, 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 this gentleman, Eliezer, he will be my heir. And what he's saying is, Lord, because you, you have not come through in my life, I have to go to plan B. Anybody dealing with plan B right now? You see, what happened with Abraham was Abraham did not lose his original vision. He just let it shrink. And that's what happens with us. God gives us a vision, but over time, life happens, stuff happens, and, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen the way we thought it would happen. And, and we allow the vision to shrink, and, and that's what was happening with, with Abraham. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, he was speaking to God. He brought his complaint to God, but then God speaks back to him. So if you bring your complaint, stop, you know, stop, stop stabbing with God in the back, talking to everybody else about God. Go directly to the source. Go to God with your complaint. And if you finally man up and be brave enough to, 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 to stand up to God and tell him what you're really thinking, God will respond just like he responded to Abraham. So it said, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your what? Heir. Abram, there will be no plan B. Abram, I got this thing. I knew what you would go through before I said the thing that I promised you, and I will be faithful. But the one who will come from your own body, he shall be what? Your heir. You know, I know sometimes God seems late. The, the reality is often things don't go quite as we plan. And it's amazing when God tells us he's going to do something, we put dates on it. We, we explain how he's going to do it. And then we end up with broken hearts because we added to that which God said. And, and here, you know, we're going to see this a little bit when we get closer to the end. You're going to understand what I'm saying. But, you know, when Abram was 75, it's like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can still have children. But, you know, as the clock kept ticking, it became more and more impossible. And, and then he started creating, you know, stuff in his head. Uh, you know, uh, maybe if I do it this way. We, we just talked about plan B, but actually, Moses, I'm sorry, Abraham came up with a plan C. Plan B was Eleazar. But we go to the next chapter. Plan C was him going into to Sarah's handmaiden, and he had a baby with her. And, you know, he started trying to fix this thing and tried to make things happen. And you got to be careful. If God said it, God can do it. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to help him. You remember when uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant looked like it was falling over and one of David's men tried to help and God struck him dead? 
It seemed like God was being mean, but you have to remember, God is God. He don't need our help. You know, every now and then I tell the testimony about, you know, what happened in our other church and how my wife and I, we lent six figures to the congregation, et cetera, to, to keep it going. But, you know, that was part of the church's problem. It didn't need my help. Either God was going to do it or he wasn't. And when I stopped helping, somehow God showed up. Either God said it or he didn't. Well, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, no, the one who will come from your own body, you didn't miss me the first time, shall be your heir. Abram, I know you're getting old, but I'm still God. You you need to understand something about God, that nothing catches God by surprise. When he recorded scripture, he thought of every single need. He saw all of our faces all at one time. He saw all of our circumstances, all of our needs. And when he made the statement, he took every single situation into account and recognized, I'm going to say this knowing that if I said I could meet your needs according to your riches and glory, God looked to 2000, what are we, 14. He saw you and your situation and considered it before he said it. If God breaks his word just one time, he's not God. Everything has already been considered. So when God speaks, you don't have to figure it out. He's figured it out. All you really need is to get insight into what his plan is and go with the flow. How many times I tried to fix God? How many times have I tried to help God? And ultimately, all I did was really get in his way and create more of a mess that he had to clean up when I was done. Verse 5 is important because I don't know if this impacts you today, but it did me this week. He said, then he brought him outside. Abraham got stuck under a roof of his own making. Very important. A ceiling of his own construction. And sometimes in my thinking, sometimes in your thinking, we put, we manufacture ceilings and roofs and tops and God, you can't, Lord, it's too late and I don't have the resource and we manufacture lids over our lives and we find ourselves trapped under the weight of them, but we don't realize it's all manufactured. Because in our limited understanding, we can't figure out how he could do it. But if God said it, God has already figured out how he's going to do it. So at some point, I have a very simple choice. Am I going to trust my imagination, my ability to figure it out, or am I going to trust God? And faith at some point gets that simple. Then he brought him outside. And this week, I felt the Lord saying, boy, come out. I need you to come out of your tent. I need you to come out of your shell. I need you to come out of your self-imposed roof that in your mind is determined what you can still do and what's still possible. I need you to get out. Come out, son. Come out. And I believe that's a word. Come out. He was in his tent. Knows better when tents were dark. And it gets dark when you get stuck in your own mind. And, and, and Abraham was just pondering, you know what? Oh, I can't figure, what are we going to do? And he was all day, all night trying to figure it out. But God said, no, come outside. Then he brought him where? Outside. Often God has to take me to a new environment to show me where he wants me to go next. Because we get stuck. 
with who we know and the limited experience of the people around us. But there's a whole world out there with experiences we have not yet heard of. So he said, Abraham, I need you to come out of your circle. And I need you to look up to the heavens. How high is that sky? How wide is that sky? Abraham, my plan for you will not fit under that tent. I am a big God and I have big solutions to your issue. So come out of that little tent. Come out of that small thinking. Come out of that Bedouin mindset. Come out of just thinking, you know, what's going to happen with you is the same thing that's happened with everybody else. I am God and beside me there's none of them. And is there anything too hard for God? Come out of your tent. And I could stop there because that was God's word to me. Boy, come out of your tent. Come out of your tent. Come out of your tent. I got some stuff I want to show you. There are possibilities out there you haven't even imagined yet, man. And by the way, the places God asks you to go is often an indication of where he wants to take you. He said, now that you're out, I need you to give this a good look. Wrap your eyes around this, son. Look now away from your tent your false, self-imposed ceilings. I need you to look up to heaven. And this is actually a rebuke. He said, Abram, I want you to count the stars if you're able to number them. God knows a human being cannot count all the stars in the night. I mean, I get to 10 and I start losing my count. Imagine, you know, getting up to, uh, oh, man, you know, uh, uh, 1,500 and, oh, where am I, 15, or 52? And, and he knew he couldn't do it. But that was the very, very point. He was like, Abraham, I'm God. Yeah, you can't figure it out because you're a man. But, but count the stars. You can't do it, can you? But I call them out one by one and by name. So, Abraham, you're going to trust your intellect over my word? You're going to trust the experience of people around you versus what I told you? 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who what? Love him. Our finite minds cannot even begin to fathom the unlimited number of ways that God can bring his word to pass in our lives. God is created, creative. You know, just look at the, the animal kingdom. You have animals that crawl. You have animals that slither. You have animals that fly. You have animals that stick. You have animals that, that have no bones. You have animals full of bones. You, you have something as, imagine the imagination that created a baboon. Imagine. The imagination that created a bat. Just look at your neighbor. Imagine the imagination that created that person. Imagine. God has imagination, man, out of this world. And he has a zillion different ways that he could do what we think he can't do. Your problem God has faced in generations past. He was not surprised by it when it first occurred. He knew it would happen. And by the way, it's already happened to somebody else in similar circumstances. But he knew it would happen before he even promised. And we have to learn to trust God. Even though I can't figure it out, Lord. If you said so, it must be so. He said, look now toward the heavens, Abram, verse 15 and 5 of Genesis. So shall your descendants be. Again, Abram, I know you're getting up there. I know about your biological clock. 
but I am still God. And there's nothing too hard for me. Verse 6 is important. And Abram believed. Now, in the Hebrew, the word translated believed literally means leaned. So that statement could be translated, and Abram leaned on the Lord. Now, here's the thing I want you to begin to think about, because the New Testament talks about the Scripture over and over again. And the Bible's about to say, you know, he, he believed in the Lord and, and accounted it to him or, 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 or used that moment to say he was righteous. But didn't Abraham hear from God when he was 75? Now he's about 85 years old. Didn't God tell him personally to leave Haran and go to the place he showed him? Didn't God tell him that he was going to be a blessing and, and, and bless the nation of the earth through him, etc.? So Abram believed God had existed for at least 10 years. But this was the first time Abram had a moment where he fully leaned on the Lord. There's a difference between believing God exists and putting your weight, your trust, and confidence in the God you say is. I'm going to read a scripture to you that's going to be helpful. James 2 and 19. James is speaking to the church at large. He was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, and he said this, congregation, you believe that there is one God, and you do well. In other words, you know, here's a cookie. But don't be overly impressed. Because this type of belief really doesn't make you any different than a demon. Let's read it. You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. There's a huge difference between believing in a God who exists versus leaning on the one who exists. Demons know God exists. You have to go to seminary to question whether or not God exists. You have to go to some of our, our Western schools to question the existence of God. Demons know God exists. The only difference between them and hopefully some of us, demons know God exists, but they refuse to lean on him. They were, were refused to, to, to trust his love and his wisdom for, for their choices and conduct. Believing God exists is not the same as leaning on him in your life's choices. Abram, for years, was a good church boy. He believed God existed, but for the first time, he started putting some of his personal weight. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm try this out, Lord. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I think I can stand on this. You see, it's one thing to hear great sermons and then to rate them. I'll give it a 10, I'll give it a 9, I'll give it an 8. It's another thing to live out a sermon. Yeah. Huge difference. And for the first 10 years of his life, he was going to church rating sermons, ranking churches. But then finally, he stepped out. And started putting the weight of his life on the things that God was, was saying to him. And you say, well, why would he have left Ur to Chaldea if he didn't really believe uh, God? Well, you see, often when God first calls us, 
We're like, yeah, I understand why you called me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm no longer an idolater. He, by the way, he was from an idolatrous nation. He stopped, you know, worshiping idols. You know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty smart. You know, um, okay, I'm going to have babies and I'm going to change the world. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm still strong. I, I could have a baby. And we, 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 you know, God summons us, but we think it's because of us. So those years, he was thinking God called him because he has something to offer. But then when he's laying awake at night, frightened about what's going to happen next, and this is no joke. Listen, they killed you dead, and they, they, they hurt you bad back then. They, they, there was no rules of war, no nothing. And they get your children, your children, and they hurt you. And he was, and he was laying awake. He's like, man, I'm not as bad as I thought. I'm not as strong as I thought. God, if these kings come back against us, what are we going to do? And, and, and he's coming to a place where he's realizing how much he needs God. And war will show you. Such things. Genesis 15 and 6. And he believed in the Lord, and God looked at it and accounted it to him for righteousness. You see, when we take the weight of our redemption, the weight of our salvation off ourselves, and rightfully Put it on the only one that can fix what's broke in our lives. When I finally stop trusting in my goodness, when I stop trusting in my ability and begin to again trust His, that's when salvation can be wrought. That's when it can really work. Salvation is not you being good enough to get in. Salvation is the fact you will never be good enough to get in. So somebody got you in. Somebody paid entrance fee. His name was Jesus. He paid the price. He paid it himself because you couldn't. Because all of our righteousness, the Bible says, when it, when it compared to a holy and righteous, pure God never did anything wrong. Never. All he did was create beautiful stuff. He never hurt a soul. Never did harm to anyone, to this perfect being, and then you try to stand up to him talking about you're righteous. Compared to him, our righteousness is as filthy rags. It, man, our righteousness, the best of us don't come close to the purity and the, the awesomeness and the goodness of God. So Abram, for the first time, he said, I can't trust me to get this done. God, I'm not all I thought I was. I'm going to have to fully rely on you for me to have a baby at this age. And you see, God intensely at times waits until it's too late so you can really begin to trust. At 75, he said, I still might, you know, and she was 65. 65, you know, that's still kind of tough to have a baby. But it's being done still every now and then on the globe now. But back then, the bodies were a little bit different. Sin had had the full effect that it seems to have had now on the human uh, body. But, but the short of it was, when it became impossible, and he recognized it, that's when he was willing to have faith. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now, here's the deal. When he made that statement, he was talking to religious people. And he was talking about, he was really criticizing the Pharisees. He's like, you come to the Pharisees and you get more to do and, and then you, you learn, you know, you got to do this better and, and, and this is rejected and, and that's rejected and, and you never quite measure up. But listen, I come to give you rest. He said, listen, my yoke is my burden, my rest is easy. You see, if you're 
If everything's based on your righteousness, you're going to be exhausted. And you're going to be working hard, trying to figure it out, making it happen. But Jesus said, no, I came to give you rest. Meaning, I'm going to do the work that pertains to salvation. And all you have to do is receive it. So today, the question is, am I like the devil who believes God exists but have never really leaned on it yet? Maybe you're like Abraham. You've had some experiences with God. But you've never really leaned on God before. It's a difference between being churchy and being saved. There's a difference between at one point having an experience to truly putting your trust in the finished work of Jesus. And today, my simple message is a simple plea. Every head bowed and every eye closed. To the people in this room today who are like Abraham, maybe you've been in the church 10 years. Maybe you've been listening to preaching for lots of years on the radio and on television. But you never have fully leaned on the message of the gospel. You compare yourself to your neighbor and say, well, I think I'm good enough. But I, you know, when it comes to salvation, you start going back to I, I'm good. I, I, I do this. I did that. I don't do what they do. I. And if that's your approach, you're not yet saved. You're not yet made right with God because I will never get it done because if you could do it, Jesus wouldn't have had to come do it himself. You've been listening to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you were blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.